I know it's been a while, but unlike the blockbusters of summer 2020, Hey fam, welcome to, I guess we're going to call this season two of Stay Watching. As always, I'm your host, Larry, and I'm finally back after what feels like a really long hiatus. The pandemic um, is still going. It is still going. I don't know what I was thinking over the summer when... I was like, oh, you know, we'll we'll see how this thing goes and, and hopefully things will turn around and, you know, got really excited for the prospects of late summer, early fall, seeing some of those films that had gotten pushed back and being able to bring the podcast back and, and feel like I'm in a good space to do so. But that didn't happen. The pandemic has continued. Uh, in some ways, things have gotten better. In other ways, things feel like they've gotten worse. Um, one of those ways, you know, again, it's not, you know, totally serious, but part of what I do with this podcast is I talk about entertainment and um, in many different ways, entertainment has uh, definitely taken a hit from this pandemic. And, um, you know, I early on when I was looking at bringing the podcast back and you know, trying to figure out what to talk about uh, during this time. I, I didn't want to be one of those shows where I'm just constantly talking about how awful the pandemic is and how it's ruined everything that, that I enjoy doing, taking away all of those escapes, you know, especially while people are getting sick, people are dying and people are losing jobs. You know, it was one of those things that was pretty challenging. But at the end of the day, I also do this podcast to be able to share my feelings on things that may not be so important, uh, though I often will try to, you know, put them in the lens of things that are a little bit more important. So, you know, as as one of my little pieces of escape, I thought, hey, it's only appropriate to bring this back now. There are still things going on in the world of entertainment uh, that I think are worth talking about. And so what we're going to be doing uh, this season on the show is, you know, we're going to change up the format a little bit. I, I, every now and then I want to try to do some different things with this show um, and just kind of alter it in some ways to make it a little bit different each time around, each time I come back to it. And so this time, what we're going to do, basically, the show is going to be, usually I'm going to give a, a bit of an introduction part, uh, which is what you're listening to right now. The second part of the show is going to continue to be kind of that main topic for the week. And I'm hoping to try to, you know, keep my thoughts as concise as I can. Uh, for those of you who are listeners to this podcast for a long time and, and remember the old version of the podcast, uh, I used to try to keep the episodes uh, fairly short, trying to aim for like a half hour, 45 minutes. Um, and I'm going to try to keep 
to that pace. I know in in some cases, some of the episodes got a little longer, um, you know, usually if I had a lot to say about a topic. So I, I'm really going to try to keep it within that window, um, you know, and really taking, you know, hopefully 15 minutes uh, max to kind of talk about that topic of the week. Uh, and then in the third section, really talk about some of the pieces of media that I'm consuming currently uh, or stuff that I just finished and sharing just some quick uh, thoughts on it, uh, whether I think you should check it out or not, or, you know, some some things on why I liked it. This is also where I'll kind of give you hints for if there is a topic or, or that may be coming up on a future episode of the podcast. That's where I'll kind of let you know where that stuff is happening. So getting right into it this week on the podcast the topic of discussion or the topic of of my mono discussion what what is a discussion held uh within one person called um i'm not gonna call it a monologue because i'm not on snl um you know but basically this week i'm gonna be talking about movie theaters movies films cinema and can it survive the pandemic? Hold on, I'll be right back. As I, as I mentioned up top, the pandemic has been hell for entertainment. Uh, we've seen Broadway shuttered, um, sports for a while were shut down, and then they had to figure out new ways to kind of reconfigure. The NBA had the bubble, which worked out really well. Uh, other sports like baseball and 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 the NFL are uh, struggling. Uh, college football is struggling a bit just because, you know, on any given week, there could be a number of players who are uh, sideline because of, uh, you know, COVID-19 symptoms or, or testing, uh, positive. And so it's been really difficult. We've seen some TV shows most recently glow, uh, was canceled going into its next season, mostly because they could not find a safe way to film the next season. Um, other shows had their seasons cut short. There are a number of different shows that they're, their current season or, or the season that was going uh, during the spring last year just had to be cut short because they couldn't complete the episode run that they needed. And so we've seen a number of different changes, you know, really hit entertainment hard. Uh, but one that hits particularly close to home is the situation in movie theaters. So for those of you who follow this podcast, for those of you who listen to me uh, or, or know me personally, uh, and, you know, I, I had an episode on this, you know, a little bit before the break, uh, before the end of, of last season. Um, movie theaters were shut down, at least where I live uh, in New Jersey. They were shut down uh, during kind of uh, for most of the pandemic, basically from about mid-March through uh, the beginning of September, movie theaters in the state of New Jersey were shut down. Um, and we saw something, we saw similar things in LA and New York. And what this meant is, you know, 
a lot of those big blockbusters that were supposed to come out this summer got pushed. They got pushed pretty far back. Um, you know, when we're talking about blockbusters, what we're talking about are, are films, you know, really huge budget films that are, you know, usually, you know, usually we see them released during the summer, uh, late spring, early summer, uh, throughout the summer. Um, and these films, you know, really bolster the film industry. These are the, the films that cost, you know, anywhere between 100 and 300 million dollars to make. Usually they're they're making somewhere, you know, anywhere from 500 million dollars to two billion dollars at the box office. Uh, these are the films that kind of keep, uh, you know, many of these many of these uh, film companies afloat. You know, when you look at stuff like Disney, when you look at, you know, where a lot of their money is coming from. It is these huge blockbuster films. You know, they have Star Wars. They have, you know, the, the normal Disney stuff. They have Marvel. Um, those are big performers for them. For Warner Brothers, we see the, you know, DC superhero movies have been huge for them. Um, you know, you have other other folks who are have stuff like Fast and Furious or, you know, you got your, your MGMs with, um, you know, the 007 James Bond movies. And so we see all these films, we see stuff that's just getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. Um, many films getting pushed back to 2021, uh, but some films even getting pushed further back than that. Uh, some films not, you know, looking to see release until um, either winter 2021 or even, you know, spring 2022. Uh, which is really wild to think about, you know, sure, like technically speaking, we're only a few months away from 2021. Um, and so some of the films that we've been talking about, some of the films that we're, we're looking at might still come out relatively soon. But the question that we're, we're kind of running into now is ultimately, you know, will movie theaters still be around um, at the time that these blockbusters start to come out again? So uh, one, you know, kind of prime example of what's going on right now. So a couple of weeks ago, the new 007 film, No Time to Die, it's supposed to be Daniel Craig's last Bond film. I'm really interested to see how it comes out. I feel like his tenure as Bond has, has seen some, some good highs and some terrible lows. Um, so I'm hoping he can kind of leave on a high note. I, I think he deserves it. He's part of the struggle with his films is um, just they didn't, they haven't received the best writing, um, you know, and, and when compared to some other, you know, action franchises uh, like the Mission Impossible films uh, most recently, like they just they're just blowing, you know, James Bond out of the water these days. So I'm, I'm really hoping that this last film can can kind of be a nice landing for his tenure as James Bond. Uh, but that film was originally slated to come out spring. It got pushed to fall, winter, and then it got pushed out of this year. And once that happens, uh, basically the group that owns Regal Theaters um, decided to close all their theaters with no big blockbuster coming out on the horizon. They thought it was in their best interest uh, to keep their business afloat by just not having their theaters open, by not providing any kind of theater experience right now. And I, I get it to a degree, you know, right now, the way the pandemic is, especially here in the US, because again, like I have to, my context is the United States right now. 
From what I understand, there are a lot of other places that might be handling things better uh, and where, you know, a little bit more normalcy was able to resume. But here we are not that lucky, like we are not at that point yet. And so, you know, while theaters are open now, it's not like people are necessarily going. I mean, and if they were, what would they be seeing? There's, there's not a whole lot of new stuff. Um, sure, uh, Christopher Nolan's Tenet opened, and uh, as much as I enjoy seeing Christopher Nolan's films on the big screen, and I would love to see Tenet, like, for me personally, I, I don't feel comfortable going into the theater space right now at this point uh, with, with how we as a country have kind of been handling things. So... You know, there there are those challenges where, sure, theaters are open, sure, there are some things in there, but they're not performing well. And people don't feel comfortable and people don't want to go. So if that's the case, you know, you're, you're wasting money keeping your theaters open. How will that work out for you? The news today at the time that I'm recording this is that AMC uh, theaters, which is basically, you know, in the U.S., pretty much the two biggest theater chains you're going to see are AMC and, and Regal theaters. You know, there are other big chains out there who are also kind of going through this uh, trouble. But what it's sounding like is basically AMC theaters, which was already struggling before the pandemic, got hit especially hard when they had to shut down theaters. And then when blockbusters were getting pushed back, it, there were some real concerns about whether or not they would be able to stay open and stay viable. They eventually got uh, some sort of, uh, you know, injection of funds. We'll, we'll put it that way. Uh, they got bailed out a little bit um, and it looked like, all right, they'll be able to keep things going until you know, the theaters start getting those big budget films again, start getting those blockbusters again. But unfortunately, again, as the, the pandemic continued to, you know, not get better here in the US, we, we see that they're not getting those blockbusters. And now what it's looking like is AMC may run out of money by early 2021. Which is, which is really, really disheartening in, in, a, in a way because, you know, not to say that theaters like, you know, the AMCs and Regals represent all theaters because, you know, I think there are small, not I think there are, but there are smaller theaters out there that people can attend um, and that I imagine will make it through what's going on uh, or I hope will make it through what's going on. Um, and that we should support, um, you know, I've always been a, a big proponent of making sure for as much as I go to, you know, my local AMCs for the big blockbuster movies, I go to a lot of kind of uh, what we'll call, I'll just call them mom and pop theaters for uh, more of the uh, cinema experience, as Martin Scorsese might might say, to go see uh, more, more films and less... Uh, less, uh, you know, theme park attractions, but it's a challenge because, you know, one, not every community has those kind of alternative smaller theaters for people to attend. 
Uh, and for others, you know, in, in some ways, a, a movie theater represents kind of like a cheap family outing that, that people can have. You know, you think about it, as much as we complain about ticket prices, going to a movie theater is a lot cheaper than going to an amusement park or a theme park, you know, and, you know, realistically being able to spend, you know, 50 bucks to take your family of four out to go see a movie. And, and sure, it might be more than that, depending on where you're at and if you're buying snacks and whatnot. But, you know, being able to spend less than $100 to take a family of four out for, you know, roughly two hours of entertainment, you know, during a month is, is not necessarily that bad. And so that's something that, that we're potentially losing right now if theaters don't kind of make it through this and sure you know one of the things that we've heard a lot of folks saying throughout this entire time is you know you know just release stuff on video on demand just release it on demand just release it on streaming and a lot of the big companies that produce films have been hesitant to do so because they're losing out on money you know, like I, I'm not going to go through all the figures here because like, I don't want to bore people. If you ever want to know about it, like I, I do spend a lot of time looking at what the numbers are, you know, but it, realistically, like you have to think about it, you know, all right, if it costs us $200 million to make this movie and we're renting it for $20, how many households have to rent this thing in order for us to make our money back? And that's the calculation that a lot of these studios have to make. And in a lot of cases right now, it's just not viable for them. You know, we, we had some cases where uh, stuff like, you know, we'll, we'll use, I think it was Trolls World Tour, they viewed that film as a success in this market because they, you know, it made something like a hundred million dollars within like the first, you know, week or two of it being out. Um, you know, and that's that's great for that film, but a lot of the other films that were premium VOD rentals aren't necessarily performing that way. And and it's hard to get people to kind of buy into that when the streaming ecosystem is the way it is. You know, so and this isn't me, but, you know, just let's just put ourselves in the shoes of, of, of somebody who might be thinking this way. Why would I pay $30 right now to rent Mulan? You know, we'll take ourselves back to early September. Why would I spend $30 right now to rent Mulan when by November or December it will be on Disney Plus for free? You know, and that's that's kind of the mentality that a lot of people have, even though, you know, you're, you're already paying for those streaming services. So technically nothing that you watch on those services is free. You're just you've already paid for it um, or, you know, will pay for it in your next monthly installment. Um, but that's how a lot of people are thinking. And so, you know, it, it's a little bit challenging when I see people say like, oh, just release it on video on demand. Like, we'll watch it. We'll watch it. We'll watch it. I don't necessarily know if that's true because for what has come out so far, people have not watched it uh, or people have not been willing to pay. Uh, you know, Disney hasn't, you know, been quite forthright on, on what the full numbers are on Mulan, but the way it sounds is it wasn't very successful because 
Another piece of news that recently came out is that one of the Disney Pixar animated films that was slated to come out, uh, you know, soon, Soul, um, is skipping its theatrical release and it's going to go straight to Disney+. Plus. Um, yes, it will probably, based on everything that I've been reading, it will probably have a theatrical release later uh, once it's okay to reopen theaters and people feel comfortable and start going again. Uh, but as of right now, it's going to be going directly to Disney+. Plus. It's not going to be a premium feature that you have to pay for. It's just going to be, you know, purely on Disney+. Plus. You know, and, and in some ways that can be a win, you know, in some ways, if you are the studio and you own the streaming service that you're putting out something out on, it can work. Like I imagine in some cases, like that might be better for Warner Brothers if they have specific properties that they can say, hey, it's going to be on HBO Max. All you have to do is subscribe to HBO Max and you'll be one of the first people to get to see this. One, it might boost the number of people that are signing up for HBO Max, but it also might mean people are more likely to watch that piece of entertainment rather than just putting it off until whenever they can see it for quote free unquote. Um, you know, I, I think that's that's like a really big part of the challenge right now. You know, and and the other part is, you know, all right, like once we come out on the other side of this, like outside of, you know, the streaming landscape, which I'll, I'll come back to uh, in a little bit. But once we get out of kind of pandemic mode, once things are, you know, we'll, we'll say safe, once once people feel comfortable enough to really go into theaters again, what does that look like? What theaters are left? And, you know, how do you how do you make it viable? Like, you know, AMC, Regal, uh, you know, a bunch of places, once MoviePass had become a thing, started to have their own movie subscription services. And I've talked about this a little bit in the past, but a big part of the way that these things make their money is people who sign up for the service and then don't use it fully. Uh, because like, if you are actually, you know, going to the movies the three times a week or whatever it gets you, um, you know, you're getting this thing for a steal. So I was an AMC Stubbs subscriber. I paid, you know, I guess it was uh, after tax, almost 30 bucks a month, uh, but it let me go see three movies per week, um, every week, you know, new week starting on Thursday. So it's basically Thursday through Thursday. So I was in the movie theater at an AMC at least twice a week each month, which is which is a lot of movies. That's a steal. Um, but not everybody goes to see movies like I do. And, and beyond that, like a lot of their money isn't really made on, on seeing the films. It's made on concessions. So a deal like AMC stubs for a single person who goes to the movies a lot is great because all right, when I go to the theaters now, most of the time, all right, I, I probably am a little bit more likely to buy that popcorn because all right, I've already, you know, by the second time I've seen a movie in a given month, I've already kind of paid for my subscription uh, just based on the way pricing is for movies here. And so I think that's something that that is going to be really challenging because, all right, you know, we're struggling with feeling comfortable in these spaces during the pandemic. And sure, once the pandemic is over, I'm not 100% that convinced that people are going to just go back to acting like everything is normal. 
I, I, I do expect to see some trepidation. And one of those places that I think about it is, all right, like movie theaters, confined spaces, recycled air. Is this a place that I actually want to be eating popcorn in or, or drinking in? You know, that, that, is it a place that I want to have my mouth open uh, most of the time? Like I, half the time when I'm there now, I don't want to breathe my breathe the air. So, you know, are people going to be comfortable with engaging those activities in theaters in the long run? And how will not engaging with those, how will not buying concessions, not eating in the theater affects kind of that theatrical bottom line will it be able to will theaters be able to sustain themselves um if they start to lose out on on, on more of that money and you know again that's that's if they even reopen you know one person had kind of asked me my my thoughts on you know will premium uh you know theater experiences be able to save the industry and you know i, I think for me that's even a harder sell like sure you know the promise of stuff like dine in theater again gets back to that that question of concessions like if you're at a dine in theater you're more than likely buying food you're paying a higher premium for that type of food over kind of the normal snack stuff you know and and that all said like it should help that theater out more uh but for the big chain theaters like you know do most people want that experience? So knowing that probably, you know, and, and I do not have, you know, the, the demographics in front of me, but I would make the argument. And I think this bears out when you, when you do look at the research around who is actually going to see films, I would argue that most of the people that do actually regularly go to the movies are not necessarily going to those premium theaters you know they are prohibitively expensive for a lot of different folks and especially for you know the folks that are that are more than likely going into theaters for that in theater experience and so i think that's it's it's a real challenge to be like yes the premium model is the way to go because all right, if the people that are most likely to spend their money in a movie theater are not going to those locations, I, I don't know how they would be the most viable. You know, I I want to go to a place that I am comfortable with. And and yes, you know, having, having a good cushy seat is nice and, and having a great sound system is nice. But for most of those you know, for most blockbusters that I would see, like a normal AMC is usually going to have a theater that is designed for it. You know, they built the Dobley theaters within a bunch of the AMCs for a reason. Um, they have IMAX theaters. I don't necessarily need to be sitting on a sofa when I see a movie. I don't need to be able to order steak when I see a movie. And I think, again, a lot of the people that are kind of those continual patrons of movie theaters aren't necessarily looking for those things and you know well yes those might be the locations that are able to stay viable the longest i think we'll see i think time will tell i i really do think you know and i and i i often hate on the movie wally um you know for for those of you who, who don't know or maybe new to the podcast i don't know if i've ever said this on the podcast before 
I, I've never been a real big fan of Wally. It's not because it's not an amazingly animated film or or wonderfully conceptualized. I, I think there's a lot of really great things about it, but I always took issue with the pessimistic kind of portrayal of of humans uh, that we got in the film that we were going to basically leave the earth a trash heap and you know, just become fat people sitting in pods who are unable to do anything on our own. Um, and to a degree, you know, you, I, I, I imagine you'll start to, you, you can start to see where I'm going with this. It, in a lot of ways, I, I feel like that's what being able to access so much entertainment at any given time is kind of turning us into. You know, it's like, I have Netflix, I have Disney Plus, I have Hulu, I have Amazon Prime, I have HBO Max. Like, why should I have to go out to a movie theater to see a movie? And I, and I think that's that's the challenge. Like, we are losing out. And, and again, I know some people are going to listen to this and, and say, yeah, I don't see a problem with that. I, I love being able to watch this stuff from the comfort of my own home. I am somewhat of a traditionalist when it comes to movies. I, I believe in that experience of being in the theater, being in the dark, sitting there with other people, with strangers, on a screen that's much larger than you can ever have in your home, uh, to experience a film, to to have this, this real piece of escape where you're leaving your home environment to take in this piece of art in the place where it was that it was designed for, um, and I think that's I think that's just like the real fundamental challenge that that we're facing here. And we knew this was going to be an issue again before the pandemic. Things were going this way, you know, Comcast Universal or Universal, whatever they're called now. I hate business names because they're always changing. Um, you know. That was a, a whole big thing that they were trying to do that AMC was afraid of was the premium VOD where it was basically, hey, something can be in theaters for like two weeks. After that two week period, people can pay a little bit extra and watch it at home. And this move was being made because we saw fewer people going to the theaters already. People just want to be home. They want to watch this stuff from the comfort of their home. and. You know, I, I think that's what we're fighting through right now. And I I don't fully know if I trust the people who are watching at home or only watching at home that they would pay the premium prices to ensure that some of the films that, that we're looking to see in theaters still get made. Because I think that at the end of the day, that's, that's the thing. It's not just will movie theaters survive, but will movies survive because all right if we're not making as much money off of these blockbusters you know if, if disney or you know, well i was gonna say fox fox doesn't exist anymore they're a part of disney um if disney or warner brothers or comcast universal or viacom or whoever if they are not making the level of money that they used to on these blockbusters what does that mean for smaller films that might be getting financed off of the success of these bigger films or, or smaller films that are being made because a director made one of these bigger films. 
do we start to see some of those smaller films, you know, more artistic, more cinema films disappear because that in-theater blockbuster market no longer exists? What do we see happen to the movie and film industry because we're not able to go to theaters and because these companies, and again, I, I, I know I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to shed tears for Disney not being able to make billions of dollars at the box office. Like, I'm not going to cry about that. Um, I, I don't necessarily feel bad for these places not making as much money as they used to make. What I am lamenting is the art and the experience that we might be missing out on if those locations, if those theaters cease to exist. And so I guess that's that's my question for you. Like, you know, if we move to this more kind of streaming focused video on demand place, are you actually going to spend money on those premium videos on demand? Are you going to spend, you know, premium money on a blockbuster to watch it at home? Or are you just going to wait for it to show up on the streaming platform of your choice? You know, because I think in a lot of ways, again, like whether we're saving movie theaters or we're ensuring that movies, uh, that the, the film industry, that the movie industry still exists, it's, it's on us. And are we willing to actually invest in seeing if we can keep it going? So what do you what do you think about that? Where do you fall on that spectrum? Are, are you going to pay the premium prices? Are you just going to wait? Do you still want to go to theaters? And, and, and I mean, again, for most of the folks that are probably listening to this, uh, because I know there's a handful of you who, who follow me and, and actually listen to this, you know, I, I know you all are probably sitting there thinking, well, of course, like I want to go to the theater. So, you know, I can't go right now. So I'm going to pay and make sure that these places are able to keep making movies. But you know, I guess for those of you who who may not be as focused on going to the theater, you know, are, are you going to try to go more? Are you going to try to support the production of these films by by paying for them? Or are you just going to kind of keep sticking to your streaming services? And mind you, I, I'm going to have to come back to this idea of streaming services again soon. I know last season I, I had an episode talking about the different streaming services and, and everything like that and i think it bears going back to have a conversation about what's going on with them right now especially in the midst of this current conversation in, in the midst of what's going on with movie theaters right now so yeah let me know what you think and um yeah I'll be right back with the next section of the podcast. So in this final section of the podcast, like I said, one of the things that I'm going to be doing each time that I record is sharing a little bit about the media that I've been consuming lately. And um, 
you know, it's it's been it's been tough. Uh, there have been several months where I'll be real. I feel like I didn't take in anything new. Uh, but over the course of the last couple of weeks, I've actually watched a bunch of stuff. And so um, just off the top, one of the things that I've engaged with that I will definitely be recording an episode on more than likely with a guest is The Boys Season 2. Uh, the Boys, which is on Amazon Prime, based on the comic book of the same name. Basically, group of dudes who uh, have issues with asshole superheroes uh, and try to keep them in check. I, I'm not going to say too much uh, in terms of spoilers for anybody who hasn't watched the show yet or who um, you know has not finished the season, but... I thought season two was really good. Um, Amazon Prime did something that I really enjoy, and I'll definitely be talking about this on the podcast episode about the show. Um, but rather than dumping all of the episodes all at once and and basically giving you a, a binge fest, um, they moved to releasing each episode uh, after the first three, which were kind of dumped all at the same time, um, week by week. Uh, very much like what Disney Plus did with The Mandalorian. I like that release schedule a lot. It gives you something to look forward to each week. And, you know, at least in my opinion, I feel like The Boys Season 2 did a really good job of escalating each episode this season. So week after week, I found myself wondering how are they going to top themselves? Um, and I thought they did a really good job. Uh, obviously, um this show is not for kids uh sex violence gore you know profanity it's all in there uh so don't let your kids watch i guess unless you're into that thing that's how you parent that's fine um i, I won't judge you i watched some stuff that i definitely should have should not have uh when i was a little too young for it so i'll let you make that decision but um you know, for folks who are interested in programming that that turns kind of the current crop of superhero entertainment that we are given and kind of turns it on its head and asks questions about it, I think you'll like The Boys. Another interesting show on Amazon Prime that I watched recently was Utopia. Unlike The Boys, they did dump it all kind of binge style and uh, I did a pretty good job of spacing it out. Uh, I, I took a few days to watch the whole series. Um, like the boys, one thing that I really like about this show is that they their seasons are not too long. Eight episodes, they're nice and concise. They tell the story, they keep it moving. Um, Utopia is a little bit of a harder sell right now. Um, one of the core concepts in it, it revolves around uh, viruses and uh, disease and uh, sickness. And so uh, watching it at this current time for some people might be kind of difficult. Um, it's a show that I would love to talk to somebody about at some point. So we'll see if it shows up again on the podcast at, at, at some future date. Um, but really, you know, it's it's an interesting show. It's it's dark. It's humorous. Um, in some ways, it's pessimistic. But you know, I, I think it's important to have uh, some of those some of those darker elements in your story um, to try to do some different things. So I I enjoyed it a lot. I know critics have not been necessarily the biggest fans of it, but again, I think a lot of that has to do with 
when the show was released and not so much the show itself. Outside of that, um, I needed something a little bit lighter uh, this past weekend and to give myself a little bit of a boost, I decided to dive into Pen15, uh, which is on Hulu. Uh, and Pen15 is basically the story of these two middle school girls who are played uh, wonderfully by like their adult selves. So it's basically these two adult women pretend uh, playing their you know middle school selves or versions of their middle school selves uh, surrounded by actual middle schoolers. So it's it's hilarious in, in that right already, but. It's a very funny, but also very heartfelt show that does a really good job of, you know, at least this is what I've, I've kind of taken away from it in a lot of ways. Like one, it, it forces a very distinctly, it, it, it forces you to kind of look back on, on how you were at that age. Um, which is one aspect of it, which I think works really nicely. But the other part of it is it, it, it's another piece of entertainment that is kind of exploring the experience of middle school girls and and giving kind of a voice to what that experience is like um, that I imagine, not that I imagine, that I know all too often does not get, like people don't dive into it often. So... I thought that was a really, really kind of interesting thing. Um, I think the show is funny. I think it's well done. Um, and I, I found it really entertain, entertaining and, and I'm excited to see more of it. Uh, at the time that I watched it, the entirety of the first season was out and half of the second season is now available on Hulu. So um, 17 episodes to watch. And I, I really, I really want to hear what some other people have to say about that one. So um, I was kind of mad at myself for kind of jumping on board with it late. In the Netflix world, um, most recently, I found myself watching two different things. One being The Social Dilemma, which, um, again, I, I might record an episode and come back and hate on this one because I was not the biggest fan of this documentary. Um, basically... Long story short, it's all about how social media is ruining the world um, while it ignores other things that are coupled with social media that are helping ruin the world. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. It was an overly dramatic, dramatized telling of some of what is going on, you know, and, and yes, some of the information in it, very good, very timely, very interesting. Um, but the way it was presented, it felt like information that could supplement what was being talked about was willfully ignored. Um, so again, just my thoughts might come back to that at a future date to talk about more on the podcast, but also would be interested in hearing what you all have to think about that. And while I'm on the subject of Netflix and, you know, and social political stuff, the other thing that I watch is a uh, new micro series where Vox uh, explains voting. Uh, and I thought it was really interesting. I'm always interested in, you know, uh, I guess I'll call it, it it's, it's basically like news entertainment, uh, like do journalism through the lens of entertainment that 
you know, explains a process that that we all go through and kind of dissects how it works, how it doesn't work and what the issues are with it. And I thought they did a very good job of getting people from, you know, even though the political spectrum is not just two parties, but I feel like they they got enough different voices to be a part of this thing and look at voting and look at the issues with voting, um, both from you know the actual processes that we go through to vote uh, to the things that may stand in the way of people being able to exercise their right to vote. And even if voting is a right or a privilege, I, I think they did a really good job of having these conversations that... I think all too often we just kind of skip over when we when we talk about voting. You know, everything is just register to vote. You need to vote. And, you know, actually being able to dive into what this process looks like, what the history around it looks like. I, I thought they did a great job with that. And finally, I'm going to end it on uh, a show that I will definitely be doing uh, an extended podcast episode on. Uh, which is Lovecraft Country, which is on HBO. Um, I'm watching it on HBO Max. Um, And it is wild. Um, You know, in much the same way that HBO's uh, Watchmen series was able to dive into race and talk about it, in a sense, through the lens of this fantastical sci-fi comic world uh which was still very much grounded in our reality albeit an alternate history Uh, i think lovecraft country is able to tackle a number of similar issues in a very interesting way um so I'm not going to get into it right now, what that show is fully about. We'll talk about that full spoilers in a future episode of the podcast. I have a guest hopefully lined up for that and we'll be talking about it. But yeah, I definitely think if you, if you are interested in, you know, kind of looking at horror and fantasy and science fiction and, and blackness and, you know, uh, and queerness and, and all of these different ideas, uh, you know, feminism. I think it's a show that's worth checking out. I, I, it has a lot of really interesting things that it's doing and I think you should watch it. So that is what I've been watching. That is everything that I have to say today. Uh, I am very proud of myself because I just spent about 45 minutes recording straight, no breaks, no pauses to bring you this episode of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed my return. Hopefully the next episode will be coming out sooner rather than later. Um, I want to get on a very regular uh, recording schedule again. One of the things that I am thinking is longer episodes every other week uh, with like a shorter 15 minute kind of catch up. Hey, this is something that I saw that was cool kind of episode in between uh, or, you know, depending on feedback on the episodes, maybe doing like a, a Q&A thing between episodes. So let me know what you think about all of that. Hit me up on social media. I am at Larry Tron pretty much everywhere on social media. 
Uh, or you can find me via email, Larry at LM2photo.com. Um, yeah, hit me up. Let me know your thoughts. Uh, I also made a Twitter account for the podcast, uh, and it is at stay watching pod. Um, you should know how to spell this at this point, so I'm not going to spell it out for you. Um, but take a look there. I'm going to be trying to update that more. Uh, I haven't been the best at it while I wasn't recording. So hopefully I will be getting back on there. So definitely reach out to me on any number of those. Let me know what you think. Feel free to answer the question that I posed in kind of the main topic section of the podcast, or let me know some topics that you're interested in or, or pieces of entertainment that you want to hear me talk about. As always, fam, stay watching. Peace.